Welcome to the podcast series by Great Place to Work, ASEAN and ANZ. This is where we dive into the world of current workplace issues, bringing you stories from leaders of best workplaces in Singapore. Joining us today is Rasa Chan, Head of People at Open Government Products. Now, they call themselves an experimental development team that builds technology for the public good. And this is really interesting. And I would love for Russell to speak more to this in a little bit. But let's first get to know Russell a little better. As head of people, Russell leads a team setting up, running, and experimenting on better HR practices and organization design approaches for OGP. It also aims to identify better ways to build and run government organizations to maximize public good for all. Now, all of us may be familiar with their products with apps like Parking.sg, RedeemSG, the vaccination app where we make our vaccination appointments. Now, all these are all products that they use. And this brings us much closer to the work of OGP. Russell, would you like to first introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Thanks, Evelyn. Uh, Firstly, big thanks for having me here. It's my pleasure. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm head of people in in open government products. Uh, I first joined uh, OGP uh, four years ago in 2019. Uh, And really what I do as head of people uh, in my role since I've joined is really looking at how do we run OGP as an organization to maximize how individuals come together how they form teams, and how they organize to build tech, build tech well, fundamentally build tech and make an impact on public good. Uh, so I've been here four years. Uh, it's been quite a roller coaster. When I first joined OGP, was we were like a startup organization, 20-odd people. Uh, fast forward to today, we are 170, growing to going to be about 200 by the end of the year. A lot of that journey has been figuring out what works in making individual, small, cross-functional product teams work, and then scaling that, scaling that as we added you know, functional management, scaling that as we added more product teams, scaling that as we added even more ambition to the products that we're doing. Um, and so four years here, but every year has been like a different job, actually. Yeah. I would love to hear, understand more about this role that you take. But before that, let's take a step back. Could you share with us more about OGP? What do you guys really do, right? What are you about? And how has this make the work or the role that you do a little different from being the head of people at any other public agencies. Okay, yeah, definitely. So let me start there and talk a bit about what we're even doing as open government products. So OGP, we are, we are a, as you said, an experimental tech organization in the Singapore government. Our mission fundamentally put is how do we build tech for public good? But really there's a lot more to explain on why we run the way we do. So OGP fundamentally exists to say, answer the question rather, it fundamentally exists to answer the question of, is there a better way to build tech, run tech organizations, and even run organizations in the government so that we can maximize the public good that we deliver to our citizens, to our residents, right, across all sectors of government. OGP is experimental because the reason we exist is the government's been around a long time. That's right. The government's done a bunch of stuff, many, many good things for Singapore and policies, yeah. etc. And building for, building for public good is not a new mission. It's mm. what's been, what is your true, your true north for the past many years. So what's different? Exactly. So, so uh, public good is not a new mission, but why OGP exists is we want to say, is there a better way to be doing this, right? The government works well for what it's doing. Can we do even better? And even in some new areas, frankly, where the government doesn't work as well as we would like, or, um, you know, just as any organization doesn't, is there a way that we can find better ways 
to organize on how we build technology, build tech products, organize how we run teams and people to deliver public good. So OGP was set up in 2019 really as an experimental sandbox for the governments. It's easy to talk about different ways of doing things, different ways of building tech, different ways of organizing, right? So when we first started in 2019, the team at that point had been known for doing things like uh, parking SG. Right? That Which, changed my life, yeah. <laughs> I must say. It's lives. revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, especially from there, um, through the last four years, especially through COVID, we've seen tangibly the impact we can have on citizens' lives in accelerating vaccination programs mm. uh, for COVID, right? And getting uh, the majority of Singapore vaccinated in a relatively fast free way. In uh, distribution campaigns, like in CDC voucher distribution through Redeem, right? To get... Um, um, vouchers distributed to allay cost and of living they, increases. I, I, I must say I've used them. They are such a breeze to use. And <laughs> what's even more heartening for me is to see uh, my uncles and aunties at the market stores just being very, very savvy around that. So I think that's kudos to you guys. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, so definitely. And, and this stuff has given us the confidence to say there must be something here which is not a fluke. Right, we've tried different practices. We, we've tried to adapt things from like how tech runs internationally and in other places. And a lot of it works. And we've scaled it and says a lot of it can be replicated to work in a Singapore context, in a government context, uh, which is what keeps us going and keeps us going to look forward and say, okay, now how do we do even more of that? How do we help us as a Singapore government do more of that across the board? That's, that's really inspiring to know. And it's really heartening as a Singapore citizen to hear that there is such an open approach to think about how do we do things better and at scale and to codify them and to um, really bring them back to the other organisations. Now, behind the brains or behind all this public good that you do is a workforce, right? And not many of us will know that within OGP, you have a lot of young people working there. Could you share with us, what's the average age of your young people? Yeah, so we are quite a young organization. Um, our average age our average age right now is uh, just shy of 29. If I remember the exact number, it's 28.8 years right now okay. for the people in OGP. 28.8 years, that's really young. And what, what's the, what's the, what was the oldest colleague? How old is he or she? Uh, I can't remember the exact age and if I say it specifically they might kill me but it's probably somewhere in their 40s <laughs> in the 40s so the yeah. oldest 40s and youngest are of course those in your perhaps um, early 20s as well right what's the male, the male female proportion like? Um, it's about 40-60 if I'm not wrong so 40 uh, female 60 male okay that's great now um, in your last great place to work survey 96% of your people they say that OGP is a great place to work Last year was the first time, you know, you were part of our process and we saw OGP being placed as number eight on the Singapore Best Workplaces in Technology list and placed 13 on our National Singapore Best Workplaces list. That is a fantastic score. Um, it must be telling us that you guys are doing something right. You know, your experiment is going the right way, right? And But first, I want to caveat. We're not saying that only young people are better to hire. In fact, many of our workforces, uh, a multi-generational workforce is really very common. But I think today, the topic, the, the, the topic of our conversation today is to understand what makes a young workforce tick. Now, Russell, let me just share with you a recent poll that we did on our LinkedIn, right? And we asked our audience on LinkedIn, what top priorities Gen Ys and Gen Zs value in the workplace? And these are their responses. 55% 
of those who responded to the survey says that Gen Ys and Gen Zs, that they value flexible work arrangements, that they value work-life balance. That's followed by salary and benefits, purpose and values, and finally, growth opportunities. Now, this is what our audience on LinkedIn say. I'd love to understand um, in OGP, could you share with us more, describe to, uh, to us the culture that you have at OGP. What are some of the, what are the values that your people embrace and do they align with the results that we see on our LinkedIn poll? For sure. Thanks, Lynn, for sharing that. It's quite uh, illuminating findings, I think, from your LinkedIn uh, poll. Uh, I think about to focus on one thing and, and how this resonates with me and what we're doing at OGP. Fundamentally, I think the most important thing we've been doing at OGP is really keeping the main thing the main thing. Okay. And the main thing that OGP does is our purpose. It's to do what it takes to get public good done, right? So a lot of these things we talked about uh, in the survey, you talk about uh, flexi work-life balance, you talk about values and purpose, if I just name two of those four things that showed up. Um, a lot of, I think, what works in OGP beyond the this is there, is there a flexible work-life policy, et cetera, is really how do we, it's us being honest to the question of how do we make sure we know why people join? So they join for the purpose of building tech for public good. And how do we get all those barriers out of the way to help them do that? And that includes different things, right? That support that culture. That includes us not honestly caring that much where they work from, not caring that much what the hours they keep. Are you in office today? Are you clocking out at 5.30 or 4? Doesn't matter. What matters to us is so... We believe we've hired the right people. Are you guys making an impact on public good? Are you guys um, pulling your skills together, working together as a team, doing what it takes to make sure that at the end of the day, the resident, the citizen, right, the public officer that we're serving with our products and with, with what we're delivering matters, that it makes an impact. So I could say a whole bunch of things, but really that fundamentally is it. How do we, the way we think about it in OGP is how do we take whatever policies we have, what we want to do and, and just answer that question, is what we're doing getting in the way of us doing public good better or is it helping it? That's great. So I hear I hear the, the principle, I hear the motivation behind how you would like the workplace to be for your people. But let's let's talk about operationalizing it, right? How does it actually work when you say that's what you do? Is it helping you make an impact? What does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis? For sure. So, so I'll give you an example. I'll give you a couple of examples, right? Maybe one that directly relates to what we're looking at in this poll. So the top rated thing here by far, 55% saying flexi work-life balance. For a lot of people, if I uh, infer from this, they mean things like, do you allow me to work from home? Do you allow me to keep the hours that I need to keep? Are you flexible to that? Uh, and the short answer to how we do it in OGP is we go, yes, uh, we are flexible. In fact, I would say sometimes when I think about our policies, I'll even say it's even radically flexible to, to what I've seen in different organizations, right? So what I mean by that concretely is we don't go, yeah, we're flexible. Here's two days you can work from home. Mm. We don't go, okay, okay, we'll increase that. Now it's three. Um, philosophically, that is still saying uh, we are watching your hours. We're just going to loosen the leash a little bit. <laughs> but what's radically different is, is what we say is we are flexible because it really doesn't matter where you work from as long as you're doing the work. If the work doesn't deliver, Let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about it. This performance, you know, are you the right fit, etc. But fundamentally is, look, if, if you can get this work done in half a day and you're working from your bedroom, sitting on your bed, all, right. all power to you, that's great. What matters is we've delivered public good and you've made the impact in doing that. And so we build our, so concretely, for example, we build our flexible po uh, working policies uh, around that principle. 
Okay. So this is all well and good because you are speaking in the capacity of head of people. I'm wondering when, because I hear a lot of people on the ground that say that HR is a policy, but when it comes to actual deployment on the ground, my line leaders have a different story. They give me a different instruction, right? So, so what if there are those policies out there? Uh, it's my line leaders that this this bosses need to manage. How is it like? How do you support your line leaders to also live by this fact that I measure you by outcome and impact and not measure you by face time? Definitely. So, so maybe I'll say uh, two things there. Uh, which has helped us. And we're still in that growth journey as well, as you scale. The first is we focus quite a bit on keeping the organization lean. That is, we don't want to put in hierarchical layers unnecessarily. Mm. What happens is you end up with three management layers, four management layers, five. And then there is a little bit of management performance, if I use that word, that goes upwards, right? Oh, it matters on the hours you key. It matters on the face time you see your boss. But when really there's you, your boss, and then the head of the organization, let's say as, as a management layer, a lot less of that happens firstly. Uh, so we, we do want to keep flat by design. In fact, we don't want to overscale. So if I could yeah. pause there, what I'm learning something that's interesting to me is the very fact that there are very few layers, the need to keep face time, the need to keep my bosses happy is eradicated because then the impact could really be on work. So first up, the principle is let's keep the organization flat and lean. Exactly. And, and to be clear, the, the pressure is always there, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that pressure, for example, oh, we're presenting this to our big boss. Yeah. Let's have a pre-meeting to discuss it. Oh, totally. Tell, this, this tell me about up, right? it. Yes. But if you don't have that many big bosses to go up to, the number of pre-meetings drops. Yeah. Just just as a, as okay. a resistance to okay. that. Yeah. Um, the second thing I was going to say is how we want to, our, our general philosophy of how we design the organization and how we approach the idea of central policy for teams. So, an analogy we quite often use in OGP is we run a bit more like a startup incubator than we do an actual full-fledged hierarchical company. So what that means is that our, our base unit of work, the majority of the work that we do in OGP happens in these lean cross-functional product teams. They're between five to 10 people, four to 10 people, right? In a product team. Uh, but actually the product teams are all run quite independently. And a lot of the ways that they choose to win a product team, do they decide, do they come in on a Monday because it's more conducive and all that? We kind of leave them to decide. We decentralize it. And then we do decide some stuff centrally from a HR policy point of view, but we decide a lot less than most organizations are used to. So for example, I just give that example, right? Do we mandate three days in office versus two? We're never going to centrally mandate that because it makes a lot more sense that the teams decide what they need. If they are in crunch time and launching and the team says, look, we all need to be here five days a week to do user testing, that's not something I essentially can tell them, but that's something you work with your colleagues next to you and you're working for the same purpose. You see and you'll be like, we'll do it. Okay. And and so we, we keep a lot of focus there. And, and so by design, that means that a lot of the, the policy, a lot of the control or mechanisms that happen end up a lot more fit for purpose because the people designing and deciding on it are the ones who are literally doing the work and who are going to be the recipients of it. So two questions with that. Uh, first would be, do you see that this... Um, this very clear intent to keep yourself lean and to keep yourself flat is going to continue to happen as the organization grow. Is it possible? Um, and is there the willpower to do that? And second would be, that means that line leaders are really important. Leaders who live out the values, leaders who are able to reflect the DNA, uh, leaders who are consistent, right? It's a very interesting point because it's something we've thought about quite hard. Yeah. We as a leadership, I've definitely thought about it quite a bit over the past couple of years. What is the limit to how we scale? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, generally, if you look at a lot of companies, it's nearly like scale at all costs in a growth phase because you're trying to get market share, etc. Mm. Mm. Now in, in OGP, by benefit of being public sector, that's not really the business we're in. Yeah. Well, the business we're in is how do we create a sustainable model for running government and government tech better? So what that means in concrete is I think it works, but once you're past a certain scale, maybe our current scale of 200, it gets mm. a lot more difficult. If you're a 2,000 man organization, that's right. A lot of things is very difficult. How flat can you keep that place? Yeah. So that comes to uh, an extension of what we're trying to do next. Um, and that is really how do we continue to scale the impact so that, you know, this is done across more of government. Actually, a big model in how we're doing that is how do we help seed new teams so that more teams can run as organizations like OGP? The answer here is unlikely. This possibility, but it's unlikely going to be, let's run one central 5,000-man organization for the government. It's going to be, how do we have these 200-man teams across the government, 200-person mm. teams across the government, all working in this way, and that keeps the different parts of government working with a strong, agile component to the different sectors. How does OGP you know, inculcate that in your, in your people? Yeah, so, so that's definitely a hairy problem, right? Especially uh, as we've scaled quite rapidly in the past year and a half. Uh, the short answer is is taking and going to keep taking a lot of overt attention from us as a people team, from us as the leadership team as well in OGP to keep reinforcing that with a lot of, uh, not FaceTime, a lot of deliberate time spent with the managers as a managerial team, right? So that, they, that we can understand how we make decisions uh, across the various teams. Uh, and a lot of reinforcing on that. So, so maybe if I talk more concretely about that what, what that, what that would look like in practice is firstly us being very transparent, at least at the managerial layer, especially on how we're making decisions even across the teams. So whilst the teams run decentralized, uh, what we do is, you know, if there's an organization decision or team decision being made, we are sharing that across with the manager. So understand not just the decisions made or what's been going on, but why, mm-hmm. right? Why and why does it matter for, mm. for what we're trying to do? Mm. And in doing that, we, we're we not trying to centralize there's only one way of doing things, like you said, but we're trying to centralize there is there is a common set of ways that we want, that we, that common set of outcomes that we want to drive towards, right? Towards public good, towards maximizing autonomy so people can do that work. So that's something we do. We, we, we need a lot more overt time to manage the team spent together and cross-sharing even if it's not in managerial lines, mm. right? And so we do that. Um, the second thing that we uh, then need to do, and this becomes a bit medium to longer term, is uh, how do we create that pipeline for ourselves? So, so you know, if we're going to 200, you're going to need a managerial team. Roughly speaking, you're talking about, what, 20, 20 mm. to 30, mm. right? Um, and we have those people, and so we're building them up. But the, the next question is, how do we build a pipeline of people so that, you know, when a new manager comes in, you're not joining in cold? Mm. And that requires transparency throughout the organization on how we do things. So, uh uh, when people aren't even managers or they're juniors or not, they can still understand there's a way that we work in this organization. Concretely, what that means is, you know, if you're talking about, let's say we're doing what we call product reviews within the organization. So is a, is a, is a product team doing what needs to be done? Are they, doing, are they aggressive in the right ways? Are they pushing the boundaries, et cetera? These are things done directly uh, with like the head of product, done directly with senior leadership. And actually what we don't do is we don't do it as a closed door manager, just discuss with your own manager kind of thing. It is done with the whole team. Mm. 
right? Uh, if they're doing senior management presentations, even beyond OGP, they're presenting to ministers, they're presenting to permanent secretaries, mm. right? Uh, and different stakeholders. The whole team goes. Mm. And if it's your work, you talk about it. This is really different from the civil service that I know, <laughs> that the approach and the ways of doing that. Well, we're trying, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that's really interesting. So I'm hearing you, if I could just uh, rephrase, I'm to mm. make sure I'm learning, I'm understanding correctly, is that uh, first of all, you invest a lot of time in ensuring that leaders cross-pollinate or, or leaders come together to, to speak to one another, to understand what other people are doing, to understand rationale, to, under to explain the why. Right, so that's one. And two, uh, in that in all reviews and all all team members, regardless of rank, are part of the process. So that when they eventually come to a place where they are promoted into seniority, into leadership, they already have imbibed in the values, in the DNA, in understanding the thought process of why certain decisions are being taken throughout their, their whole career with OGP. Exactly. Uh, so on the last point, and you're, you're, you paraphrase it right, the, the last thing I'll say there is, Really, yes, we want leadership leadership to champion the values, but actually championing the values starts the moment you join. Mm. Uh, and and that includes, if I share an anecdote, for example, uh, uh, that includes all the way down to interns. Mm. If interns join us, the, the logic we have towards internships is, is not that you're coming to do a side project and get brownie points or something, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's you're going to learn how we work. Okay. And so, for example, uh, some of the things we value is pushing public good, pushing, uh, having the courage and, and autonomy to, de to decide that. So several years ago, one of our interns was working on something and found a security vulnerability in a live national wow. system. Okay. Now we Kudos could do, to the intern. Exactly, right? <laughs> smart guy. Um, we could do several things. We could, uh, of course, just go out the managerial chain and, and quietly go and tell yeah. uh, whoever's running that system. And it was even like, not just, it wasn't just an OGP thing, it was beyond. Uh, what we did was like, hey, intern, this is your work. All right, you present it. We're going to meet the ministers this day. You present it. It's your work. Amazing. You talk about it. You defend it. You mm -hmm. talk about next steps because mm -hmm. it's what you're doing. And that is kind of like part of the values of what we're trying to do. We are pushing public good and we need people to be courageous about it. It starts literally the moment you're on any team. Um, let me just move the conversation a little bit, right? Uh, a key grouse we hear from our friends, from people around is this bit about in a multi-generational uh, multi generational workforce, is this whole generation gap, the Gen Zs would complain about the Gen Xs and the baby boomers, and those of us who are older would say, why the young people like that? Why do they behave this way? Share with us your experience in OGP. I know you are primarily young people, but you do have older colleagues. Um, have there been issues and encounter? How do you overcome them? Uh, do you, is this something that we celebrate the diversity of the different age generations or something that we just try to, you know, hush everyone up and say, just, just work? It's a very good question. So... Yeah, speaking from the perspective of OGP, where as you said, we are we are a certain portion of what people would typically call multi-generational. Um, actually, from my experience and, and looking at OGP, a big thing which shapes the organization uh, actually to me is a bit less about the generational differences, is mm. about how the context shapes behavior. So what I mean by that is concretely when I look at the way that we'll expect someone in their 40s versus a fresh grad or even an intern to be pushing and making change, it's the same. And when I look at how they are actually showing up to do that, it's the same, right? Uh, so um, maybe that, that's links to how we hire. We do hire quite a bit for people who really care about the work that we're doing. Uh, 
but but those same beliefs, those same values do show up in that same way. Yeah, the language might be a bit different, the terminology might be a bit different, uh, but really when they show up and work in teams, I've actually not seen that be a major... The commonality, I would say, the commonality of what we're trying to do for public good has outweighed the differences between the generations in this case. Okay. Um, and well, to the point of diversity, uh, I think the diversity of views is absolutely valid and warranted especially for an organization where because we're serving public good, it matters that we know as much as possible on how the public thinks and works, how society works. Yeah. So for example, having parents in a product team, uh, having minorities in a product team matters quite a bit because quite often otherwise, what we might end up doing without very overt user testing is we build for a very specific part yeah, of society. Perspectives would not be varied enough. Yeah, so that diversity definitely matters and I see that shining through quite a bit. So I, I get that, you know, it's good to have minorities or people of different ages coming in to give their perspective. But practically, right, when you come to a day-to-day, does it lead to a difference in views or a difference in what, what they believe is more important? It's, it's like having a group of friends when you're five to eight people uh, it's much easier to reach a compromise than if you're trying to compromise 40 people. Mm, mm, right? That's so, true. So, so running yeah. that, it does surface, but, but it does get resolved quite organically, actually, at that level. Where I haven't seen the difference or where we also, uh, I guess, don't, <laughs> where we also uh, are glad we're not seeing that difference is the, the way people show up in terms of uh, the public good they want to deliver. So, so to your point earlier, that you know, there might be values differences on what matters, right? But at the end of the day, we look at the products and the hard numbers you're looking at, right? Are you actually, for example, launching more websites and 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 uh, moving more agencies onto to Isoma, a website builder, right? Because that saves money. That's really not a values question between generations. That's mm, a hard yeah, fact. Are you factual, delivering public yeah, good? Yeah. Are you helping accelerate a vaccination program? That's a hard fact. That's for public good. And I think when we hold ourselves honest to metrics like that and hold ourselves honest to are we really delivering public good, um, values clashes between generations probably isn't really as much an issue as, as, as we might feel. So I'm, I'm hearing that this whole purpose, we are here, our impact is for public good. That overrides many things else. And that could be something that um, helps you to focus and something that helps you to close the divide if, there, if there's a divide. Definitely. And, and the other thing I'll add is it doesn't mean there's no outlet for, for expressing what is the real so, so it matters to us, everyone cares about public good. It yeah. matters also that they have autonomy uh, uh, to a large extent on, on how they want to deliver public good uh, beyond their products. So um, it does matter to us that people express what matters to them in different ways, and that's actually to our benefit. So concretely, for example, we run a once-a-year hackathon. We run that every January. Typically, it's a month long. Now, the way we run our hackathon is quite different from how a lot of places do it. Some organizations run hackathons as internal improvement programs, right? Hack at our yeah. systems and we'll improve it. And that's really valid. Yeah. Some run it as a recruitment tool, right? We're running a hackathon so we can get best fresh grads to join us. Some run it as a publicity tool. Mm. We run it fundamentally as a tool to identify what are the right problems to work on so we can do even more public good. Mm. And the way we literally run it is we tell everyone in the organization, we have this month for you. You guys have the skills. We brought you in with these skills. We will find ways to get you the access to the problem statements but literally go and work on whatever you want for public good. We're not going to top-down control it. We just require that you prototype it, you solve, you try and prototype and solve things. If, if you want to move on to something else, move on to something else, but go and do real things to solve problems that you see. And you get people doing 
all sorts of stuff. That's, that's so interesting. I can imagine that because what's for public good is so wide, is so broad, right? And like you say, for different, different categories of people, different things are important to them. Mm. So that's really good. How, how big, you talk? we talk so much about purpose, about making impact. How big do you think, um, I'm not sure if I can even say, if I think about a proportion of what drives the people to do the work in OGP between the package between this idea of flexibility and purpose, how much that purpose and public good and wanting to make an impact makes up what drives an employee at work? Generally. I don't know whether you can quantify it, but it's definitely um, a major reason. I would even say it's a majority reason why yeah. people are here. That's what we hire for. Yeah. Um, that's not to say all the other factors don't matter. Look, yeah. people work for money. I yeah, mean, that's we need. very fair. <laughs> yes. Um, and we're just having this interesting discussion with leadership today mm. um, because we are looking at motivation and we're looking at what's going to keep people motivated to keep working and delivering for public good. Yeah. Um, the way I like to think about it is, and, and I, I don't know if you or listeners are familiar with um, like motivation theory, but there, there, there are things which are hygiene factors for motivation mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. going to be things which are drivers of, of right. motivation, right? Yeah. And there are things like salary. Salary is a hygiene factor. It's a hygiene factor. doesn't mean we don't pay fairly. We, we actually pay quite competitively. We're trying to compete mm-hmm. for top tech talent and we pay commensurate median with that. Uh, but fundamentally put, if, you're, if you are always looking for the highest dollar someone can pay you, you may want to look elsewhere because that is not the game we're in. We'll pay you fairly. Yeah. Uh, but we recognize this hygiene factor and we do that. Uh, but a lot of what drives motivation beyond things like salary and benefits, beyond hygiene factors like that, are going to be, you have the autonomy to do so, right? Is is it challenging, but is it achievable? Uh, and these are things, these are motivating factors of which purpose underpins so much of this, right? Um, that we want to work on, in effect, enshrining, inculcating, and even reinforcing as you skill as an organization. And I think that matters a lot more. Uh, whilst we make sure hygiene is met, of course. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I actually have three final questions for you, uh, Russell. First would be, um, if there are HR leaders out there, right, and they are, I'm not sure, struggling or they are looking at, how can they best engage the young minds that they have in their team? What would you advise them to do? Yeah, definitely. So so I, I know it's it's easy to talk broadly, right? It really depends on the context the HR leaders are in. Um, I, I suppose the the main advice I'll give, and, and there are a lot of well-meaning HR programs that are well-founded on what we're trying to do as an organization. Um, I think the hard question to ask ourselves is, what control are we willing to give up, firstly? What policies are we That's willing to... That's a very hard question to put to Singaporeans. What <laughs> control are you willing to give up? If anything Singaporeans are, we'd love to have control. <laughs> exactly right. Um, but I, I didn't mean that. It is a hard question, but it's fundamental because I could I could start by saying, oh, how do we co-create this with, with um, the generations of our office? But co-creation only goes so far if the end answer is, okay, but we can't change anything. Mm. And I'm not saying change everything, but mm. I'm saying... Like if we believe we've hired the right people to our organizations and these are the people we want to keep and grow, what autonomy do we want to return to them so they can do their work? Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to bound some stuff. We have to bound governance. We have to bound, uh, you know, uh, commensurate pay packages. We have to bound these things. But there are a lot of things we may not have to bound. And where do we start in saying, if we're going to co-create with people, how could we give up something there so we return that autonomy to make the impact that people want to make back to them? This is really interesting. I had never for the life of me think that your your advice is that question. 
what control are we willing to give up? It's really unusual. I've not heard that. But I think it's, it's a good question for reflection for us. Um, and while I may joke about, joke about us Singaporeans, but the reality is many of us, we like, we like control, right? We feel that we need to be in control, whether is it because we are perfectionists, we are control freak, or maybe because we feel that when we are in control, we are being responsible and we like to be responsible people. But the question today is, what autonomy must we return to our people? because we need them to do good work. I think that starts with your basis, Russell, because you start with the basis that you trust people to do good work off the bat, right? Because many a times the idea of control is because I don't trust you, right? But your premise is always underlying all this bit is that you already trust your people to do good work. Yeah, and and definitely. And, and to be fair, the, the other side of the coin is accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we want to give people autonomy, they have to deliver. We mm-hmm. have to deliver. Right, and so I'm not saying don't hold people accountable, uh, but are you holding them accountable to the process or to the outcome? Uh, mm. Easy to say, I know, but that's that's the hard question we have to ask ourselves sometimes. There, there are many policies the teams might roll out and say, we're going to do X. And I'll be like, are you sure that's the right thing? But look, actually, if we agree on what they're going to deliver, yeah. who am but, I to say otherwise? So I want to say that, so while the answer could be we hold people accountable to outcomes, right? But in the government, we actually do hold people accountable to the process. Process is important too. So... You're not saying, therefore, that we don't hold people accountable to process either, right? I'm saying, ask ourselves, uh, what is in the government or beyond? What process do you need to hold them accountable to? And there are things we need to hold we people to. accountable to, especially in uh, for shareholders, for private sector, yeah. for, for government, for, yeah. for responsibility there. But honestly, if we are honest with ourselves, not everything. Not every process. Yes. Yeah, not everything that we've created today. You're right, you're right. That's great. So that's your advice to HR leaders who are look, looking to energize and to engage your young minds. And what's your advice to one of us out there who is a, a Gen Z, who is a, a millennial, and looking to want to do good work but feel that we are so misunderstood or feel very constrained? What is your advice for us so that we can thrive in the workplace? Um, I think my advice for for someone in that situation is, um, I think, firstly, don't don't lose sight of of the impact you want to make. Right? Um, it's easy to dismiss that as oh, someone's naive about how the things work. That that's that's not necessarily the case. Like, impact is fueled by people who believe in the cause or the impact they're trying to make. The thing I would say, maybe as advice following on from that, is constructively speaking, find a way to have a constructive conversation about whatever it is, that one thing that really matters to you, right? If it's in your workplace today, what's that one thing you think makes sense to push, to change? And find a way to have a constructive conversation about it. It's not enough to also just go, that's my view, you're not listening to it. But mm. it's also engaging with, with mm. the other end, whether that's the manager, whether it's the organization, whether it's the team, right? Um and constructive conversation there could really mean, all right, what's what's that discussion we can have about the flex that we're willing to give? What's the outcome, right? We can talk about, are you willing to let me try and, and pursue that outcome? And, and if, it, if it lands, so be it. That's all well and good. If it doesn't land, okay, we've learned. And yeah. so be it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, push that conversation be beyond um, you don't get me or you're not on the same page with me to, okay, how do we compromise? How do we constructively talk about what we're willing to kind of disagree and commit on yeah. and, and pick that and, and move on that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hearing from you is uh, move beyond a you versus me kind of stance that we take to how can we together discover and there could be some areas that we may not agree but there will be new areas that we can explore that we can agree together. Yeah, right? exactly. And having that conversations. Yeah. Great. My last bit, 
what's your aspiration? You know, because you are an OGP, you are thinking about f- for the public good. In the sp- in the place of workplaces in Singapore, what's your aspiration? For what workplaces you, in Singapore? That's right. What's your wish to see if you have your dream today? If I had my dream today for, for workplaces in general, even not just Singapore, um, I think my aspiration is people care about the work they're doing and they feel that they can make a difference in what they're doing. Um, I think quite often what we see for people, I'm sure your friends and, and you know people who talk about work and work's the thing you show up to 9 to 6.30. Yeah. You go home and then you live. And be very transactional about It's very work. transactional. Yeah. Sometimes when people talk about work-life balance, it's because work is a... like dread. Work is a dread, therefore I need my life to balance it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying we overwork or whatever, but yeah. what... Like, look, we, we spend the majority of our waking hours in the workplace, especially mm. in places like Singapore. Um, it's what I really, really wish is the workplace in whatever we're doing is a place where we firstly care about the stuff we're doing and then feel that we have agency over it to move it in the right direction. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. You know, um, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm not oh, saying too. this because this is a podcast and I need to end with a statement like that. But I did really enjoy this conversation, Russell. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you for um, thank you for the good work that you do, right, in, in OGP. Not just because it's a job for you, uh, but I am encouraged. I am heartened. I am comforted, you know, that we have a group of people who are working hard because they care for the work and because they know that the work that you do does make a good impact, right? We are beneficiaries of it. If I'm one person a beneficiary, think about the impact you create for the whole of Singapore. So thank you for, thank you to you and to the entire team at OGP for all that you guys do. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Great Place to Work ASEAN, Australia and New Zealand. Your partner in transforming workplaces through our unique culture, and certification program. We foster a future of work that's inclusive and fulfilling, inspiring organizations to build a culture of trust, collaboration, and engagement. Do tune in to our next episode and stay connected with us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Let's shape a truly great workplace together.